Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, how are you now, Skip? Ah, oh, do you are now. He's bleeding massive. A fair play in all fairness. Good topping. Gives a shot, yeah. I'm allergic to this. Relax the cocks. Way out of that. Ah, oh, Jesus. Kiss yourself. Get that into you, Cynthia. Hello, hello, hello. What's the crack on a star to? How is everybody today? How are we doing? This is Nicola Barton here, of course, the host, the guest getter, the researcher, all that kind of jazz of the Tis Yourself podcast. This is season five and whoa, I have a lot to talk to you about today. I'm so excited about today's guest. OMG. First of all, no one guessed who this guest was when I put it up on the Tis Yourself Instagram, which gave me great delight. But first, I just want to say thank you to everyone who listened to last week's episode with Laura Nolan from Dancing with the Stars. Um, it actually got to number two in the Apple Entertainment News charts here in Ireland. So yes, come on. Um, we were also in the Finnish charts randomly and in the UK ones. So but it was amazing. I got to number two in the uh, Apple ones. Getting closer and closer to that Spotify placement, lads. Loving it. Um, so, yeah, we had such a good fun with Laura and both herself and her boyfriend Matthew shared it. It was great to chat to her, obviously. So if you have missed that, that's one to go back and listen to. If you are a fan of Dancing with Stars here in Ireland or just want to kind of know what our show was like in comparison to the Dancing Stars you guys have. Or if you watch Love Island and you remember her boyfriend, Matthew McNabb, we talk about him too because they met on the show. But that was last week. This week, we went across the Atlantic over to LA in California. So Dublin to California. We're chatting over Zoom this week. And where did I stop by? I stopped by the OC. Welcome to the OC, bitch. This is how we do it in Orange County. Okay, wasn't, well, that was Chris Carmack and that's Luke. (laughs) But like, you know what I mean? I got to talk to the one and only Tate Donovan, a.k.a. Jimmy Cooper from the OC. If you remember him from that, you might remember him from Friends where he played Joshua. And you have to say it like that, Joshua. Uh, We all know Rachel had an issue with the way it was pronounced. He's been in loads and loads of stuff, though, because like his career goes back to like the 80s. People who grew up in the 90s might remember him from Love Potion number nine, from which he was in with Sandra Bullock, who he ended up dating. He played Hercules in the Disney film. So, you know, if you are, um, if you loved Hercules as a kid, you'll probably recognize his voice from that. He's been in loads and loads and loads and loads of TV shows. I actually forgot to ask him about Ali McBeal because he was in a few episodes of that. But, I, you know, with the OC and Friends kind of took up um, a lot of our chitter chatter. Uh, he was in Law and Order SVU. He was in Criminal Intent. He was in 24. He was in Damages, Hostages, MacGyver. Like there's so much. He was in, I recently saw him in FBI, which is like the Dick Wolf 
same world as Law and Order, but it's uh, set with the FBI, obviously. Um, so that's based in New York. And he also directed um, loads of t- different TV shows, ones that he wasn't even in. So he directed on The OC, he directed on Nip Tuck, uh, Gossip Girl, Glee as well. So like loads and loads of to his and like I only I got to chat to him for over an hour and I could have sat there for another two more hours probably talking to him with such crack. So many connections to Ireland. I suppose a name like Do- a certain name like Donovan, you know, over here, you know, there are a lot. Uh, there is a lot of connection to that name. But yeah, I found out so much about him. Like you will not believe some of the stuff that he comes out with as in like his connections to this country. But also we talk about everything else. We talk about the OC. We talk about... um himself and Jennifer Aniston we talk about Matthew Perry we talk about Killian Murphy and lads what a week for me to get Tate like it, it's the weirdest timing I talked to him on Tuesday was it Wednesday or Thursday anyway look whatever day it was my sister was watching TikTok and next thing it comes up that Misha Barton aka Marissa Cooper from the OC was on Call Her Daddy and then I listened to that in the gym and I was like oh my god I can't believe it. It's like OC week because I have the lovely Tate and they have the she has the lovely Misha. Weird or what? There's so much in here. So look, I'm not going to keep waffling on. I'm going to let you listen to this episode. I really, really hope you enjoy it. And then I'm going to come back to you at the end and we'll have a little recap. So here it is. The wonderful, the fantastically talented Mr. Tate Donovan. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Thank you so much agreeing to do this. I'm sure you're like so busy and talking to no, Ireland no, no, this time no, in the morning. I'm so busy. No, it's my pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Anything have... you know that to chat to an Irish person is always worth worth it. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Yeah. I did. Lo- I did see you have some sort of Irish heritage. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Like almost too much Irish heritage, as my father would say. Um, yeah. Yeah. Both my parents are, for, you know, I did 23 and Me. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I was kind of hoping for some surprises, like some friends of mine, like found out that, you know, African roots and Asian and like I found it was all Irish, Irish Catholic, Irish Catholic, you know, at a very small gene pool, both. Both my parents um, were from Brooklyn and both of their parents uh, were born in Brooklyn pretty much. Um, and then but their grandparents. So my great grandparents uh, all came from Ireland and, you know, yeah. And just just lived in the ghetto of of uh, Brooklyn, New York. What's even sadder, I'm going to trump you on that one, is when I did my version of that on Ancestry, um there's two counties where my family live now and they apparently didn't venture because it was like 99.99% these two counties. I was like, yeah. what? Yeah. Come on. Someone must have gotten a boat somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, I guess I had that transatlantic thing. Yeah, uh, I at least ventured to Brooklyn. That was that was a big deal back in that day. Yeah. Well, it's lovely to um, chat to you, obviously, about your Irish heritage, but I have loads of other things I want to chat to you. You're very busy, famous, like you've got everything going on. But um, first of all, what do you get recognized for most, do you think? Um, well, it really it really depends on where I am or the age of the person. Um, it's funny. It's funny. Um, like if, I, if I'm in England, everything's about friends, friends, Joshua, like they're obsessed with 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 
friends in England. It's amazing. And if I, if a, a Latin American person comes up to me or an Italian, they're all about the OC. It's like the OC. It's like a, all like, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. Jimmy Cooper, hey, Jimmy, Jimmy, you're the best. You know, a lot of, you know, Disney nerds remember me from Hercules and, and, um, a lot of, uh, you know, I don't, a, a lot of like, uh, like female lawyers watch damages and, um, you know, they sort of were like, you know, you're right. You know, I don't know. It's funny. It's really, uh, it's a, it's a whole mix. I can't really say it's sort of like most people don't know my name. They just have like seen me somewhere and it mm-hmm. kind of causes, you know, like angst in them. They're like, what, what, where have I seen you? You know, like. That's like me when I'm watching a movie or a TV show. I can't settle if I figure out I know the person from somewhere. I'll be yeah. sitting there going, I know I know them. What do I know them from? So I have to pause. Right. And nearly always, nearly always, it's from Law and Order SVU. It's like, yeah. I've watched every episode, which I know you were in as well. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, no, season seven, he was a rapist. Great. Okay, I can go back to watching it now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, thank God for those shows because they literally supported you know, every theater actor that ever lived, you know? Yeah. Give them the once that one go on TV and at least gives them that pay bundle that they probably don't get in theater. I'm guessing it's not the same. Yeah. And, Only- and it pays insurance, you know, like it's, it's like a, it was a vital for about 25 years. It was like a, a lifeline for so many actors in New York city, but now New York is, there's tons of work in New York. It's great. It's fantastic. For you growing up and stuff like that was acting always the goal or is this something you kind of fell into and you're like, okay, I'll give it a go. Uh, yeah, no, it was kind of always the goal. I, um, yeah, I was a young kid and I, I don't even know what movie it was. It was like about medieval nights or something like that. And I wanted to sit away from my parents. It was the local, you know, movie theater down in our town in New Jersey. And, um, you know, I was, I, I was four and I just wanted to, um, you know, like, pretend I was an adult or something like that or whatever. I just know I wanted to be away from my parents. I wanted people to think I was like an adult. And um, like I bought a ticket myself. You know, I just wanted to see this period drama. I was writing for the local grammar school newspaper. um, And uh, yeah, I just looked up on that screen and I was like, God, I really want to do that. And then oddly enough, I sort of, my second thought was, Wow, if I want to do it, everyone must want to do it. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, everybody sees this gorgeous thing on screen and everyone's going to want to do it. Yeah, kind of. And like, what do people react when you say that? Because I remember when I was younger, I actually said, start, like I was, I think I must be nine or 10. I said, I'd love to do acting. And it was, I wanted to be on stage. That was my kind of thing. And I remember yeah. an auntie making like a past remarkable comment to me and it stuck with me forever. And she was like, well, if you want to be, if you're a woman and you want to be an actor, you're going to have to be comfortable taking off your clothes, which is probably true. But I just remember it sticking me and it just, my dream was dead then. It's <laughs> such an Irish thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> you have just killed the dreams of a 10 year old thanks <laughs> yeah to be comfortable taking off your clothes um <laughs> uh well your aunt was wrong okay you don't have to be comfortable taking off your clothes you can be uh an actress and still maintain your you, you can still wear clothes and be an actress for sure <laughs> all the great actresses wore clothes i don't know what she's talking about yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna write her a letter soon. Just be like, hey, you. 
Yeah, yeah. And tell her I said it. I said so. You're wrong. You're completely... I'm going to send her this clip of the video. Just... <laughs> Dear you, you're wrong. The end. <laughs> about this, you know, not wrong about everything, just wrong about, yeah, about this. I hope you had more support of people in your life, though, than, than that I had then. Oh, no, I didn't have any support. Uh, I remember one time I was in college and I declared my major uh, to be drama, a theater. Mm-hmm. I wanted to study theater. And it was not good. And my father, I mean, I barely spoke to my father for three years while I I was, you know, studying theater and wanted, he he sort of found out I wanted to be an actor. He was a doctor and he, he was, uh, both my parents were not into, into it. I remember one day I was, I came home from college and my brother, Sean just burst into the room and he goes, uh, mom and dad say you want to be an actor? And I'm like, uh, y- yeah, yeah. He woke me up and uh, he's like, you're never going to make it. <laughs> oh, I'll write a letter yeah. to Sean now. <laughs> my, my family is like the worst. They're the I, Matter of fact, they're still not supportive of me, even though, you know, I mean, my mother was very like loved everything I was in and wanted to see me whenever I was on television or in a movie. But uh, like I'm in a movie called The Holdovers right now. It's a great movie. It's I've got a very small part in it, but it, it, it's just a fantastic movie. And n- nobody in my family has seen it. Not a single one. None of my I've got five brothers and sisters, tons of nieces and nephews, but they haven't seen it. You know, my they, God, they is, don't care. is that more of a like? You know, it's just your job, just like you're, if you were a postman, we wouldn't check the letters. Or is it more like we always said you couldn't do it, so we don't believe you're good at it? Yeah, well, maybe, maybe they don't think I'm good at it. But uh, I, I don't know. I, you know, it's just, I, I guess, you know, it's sort of like um, my family is, you know, they have very strong opinions about what's good and what's not good. And if I'm not in that sort of, you know, list of, you know, movies that they think are good (laughs) you know like get you and also they take my role very personally like like you know like i i did a play great play it's called lobby hero by by kenny lonergan and it's it's a fantastically written play it's just Mm -hmm. brilliant and it got rave reviews and won all sorts of awards and my family came and saw it and and they were like I play a cop in it who sort of is not a great, great guy. Hmm. And um, they were like, why did you turn the guy in? Like, why why did you do that? I didn't like that part of the play. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's the plot of the play. Like, somebody has to turn the person in and and then, you know, it unfolds. And they just didn't, they don't like me being anything but like a really funny, nice guy. So, yeah, it's it's funny. Or like, I have to get the girl, like, like whatever. Yeah, it's they, funny. They like those. They're like those people that really believe that people they see on TV are the character nearly. Yeah, so kind of. You change yeah. it up. They're like, yeah, they are. Yeah. What the fuck is this going yeah. on? Yeah. Why did you fucking do that? Why you know? Why that don't was... you have a bigger part? Yeah. I get that a lot. I oh, get. Really? I get like. I get like. You know why is he? Why? Why? How can you not the lead of the movie? I'm like, well, you know, I don't. George Clooney's a very famous actor. You know. <laughs> Well, you could do it. Why? Why did George Clooney? You know, I was. I saw this movie. You should have been the star. I'm like, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, you know, I'm not. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm sorry. You know, 
they're watching the Barbie movie and they're like, you should have been Ken. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that must have been hard though, being in college and nobody's supporting you. I suppose though, a lot. I suppose there is a lot of people in the arts that would probably say the same that they they were told to have like a business degree or like yeah yeah. Something. My father was just just appalled at the idea of me becoming an actor and and he he the only communication we had during those those three years that I studied theater were <laughs> articles from the New York Times, either saying like uh, like you know, interviews with actors that didn't study at all. They just like walked into a store and, you know, they made a huge star or um, just how impossible it is for actors to to get work, you know, just like articles about, you know, how nobody, you know, can earn a living, you know, acting anymore. So he wanted you in one sense to just walk around shops in New York and be like, da-da! <laughs> yeah, discover me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then when you, they did discover you, you go, oh. no. Actors don't make it. <laughs> but he did pay my tuition for college, oh. so I can't really fault him for that. He did pay tuition, so, you know, uh, I, I got to give it up to him. But uh, it wasn't uh, after, and when he passed away, I was going through his desk, we were going through his things, and I pulled up this letter that my uh, that an acting teacher from college wrote to him. And said, I just want to let you know that I think that your son has talent and I think he can he can make a living as an actor. And I I mean, I I was like, oh, my God, I can't I've forgotten. Maybe I asked that that professor to write that letter. I'm not too sure. I, I just was like blown away. And the fact that he kept it in his desk for all those years was, yeah, it's crazy. That makes you really kind of think, did, was the hard exterior, was he actually secretly very proud on the inside and just didn't know how to show it? Yeah, probably. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Let's say that's yeah. the way. Yeah, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you're in act, you're doing acting as your major. What is the first thing that for you then, I suppose, the first job that you're like, this? oh my God, I'm, I'm getting paid to, to do this? Well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, luckily I was, I went to USC, which is, uh, in, in Los Angeles Mm. and luckily I, I had a friend who was doing an internship at a talent agency and the talent agency said, Hey, are there any kids in your class that, you know, uh, you know, want to become actors and would like to meet us and you you think are any good. And so she sent like two or three over there and, um, and I we I did a scene and uh, they sort of said okay we'll work with you and and I got a job pretty quickly you know it was it was like one line in a in a movie, but you know yeah I mean every job I'm sort of like you know to this day I'm like oh my god I can't believe they're going to pay me to do this this is fantastic <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how why or how but let's not say anything let's just keep going pretend <laughs> like you know what you're doing Donovan. <laughs> Uh, it's like every day just being like happy to be just on set, just be like, how do I not piss anyone off? I'll just be really quiet <laughs> and just do what I'm told. So like what for you do you count as your like then if, if you were really loving all the little bits you're getting, what you count as your like major breakthrough, like the big the thing that gave you a bit more than bit parts? Well, I'm still waiting for the major breakthrough. <laughs> um but you know, it, it's funny, that's a common question and it's really hard to discern because 
When I was in college, still in college, I got a, a, a major role in a, in a big budget movie. I was so lucky to just like make that transition from student to professional actor. And it came like just at a, an amazing time in my life where, uh, you know, I, for me, I got a huge paycheck. But the movie tanked. It was space camp. It totally t- the space shuttle blew up in 1986, I think, and 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 the movie came out like a couple of months later, and like no adult could watch it. So so it it's sort of like I think my career has hasn't been one of like oh bam I made it in you know like uh, you, you've just sort of seen me in, in a bunch of different shit you know throughout the years you know it's been 40 years I've been acting wow crazy yeah crazy and were you doing um like were you a waiter were you working retail or anything as you first started out or did you just was it just straight full-time no yeah um I always worked uh well when I when I was in high school I worked as a caddy and then when I got into college I worked as a waiter and uh, I worked at this great hotel. I, I, um, it's called. Um, have you ever heard of the Borscht Belt? No. Okay. So it's um, uh, the Borscht Belt is um, up in the Catskills in New York City. At any rate, there's this great old hotel there, and and um, I uh, during the day I. Uh, worked at the pool and at night I ran the spotlight for all the shows and all these amazing entertainers came and like Ben Vereen and uh, Joan Rivers and all these comedians, Bill Cosby came and um, uh, all, all sorts of amazing, um, although Bill Cosby, unfortunately, he says, um, yeah, I shouldn't have brought him up. Sorry. I literally um, was like, when you said Joan Rivers, time, like, amazing. Was amazing. And then he said Bill Cosby and I was like, big. we'll skip that. Yeah. Sammy Davis Jr. came. Class. He was alive then. And yeah, I mean, all these amazing entertainers. And so I, I felt like I was in show business. So, and I was a busboy in New York City at a really fancy hotel. That was really fun and cool. And uh, I loved doing that. But then um, when I was a junior in college, I started acting professionally. And I, I never, fortunately, amazingly enough, I have not had to get any other job since I was 20 years old. Oh, my God. That's that's like there's so many people out there that are actors who like w- even if they get one massive role, they might not work again for five years. And I like, know. I know. You have done some of the biggest TV shows. Obviously, you mentioned Friends, The OC. You've been in SVU, 24, MacGyver. What else have you been in? Um, like every every big oh, FBI. I saw you in that recently. So like you've been in like the big topical shows constantly doing different roles they're not all the same well yeah i mean i've just managed to make a career which is is you know crazy you know crazy like uh what are the chances you know (laughs) like the thing is i suppose when you're in a big show let's say like the oc there's a very easy way to be kind of stereotyped and like typecast as well to be like Mm -hmm. right now you are the to, for lack of a better word, the dickhead dad role, you know. So, mm-hmm, and but mm-hmm. you haven't done that. You play a different character in each one in each different thing you're in. And is that are you doing that on purpose to, when you're picking something? No, you know. I think that's a a result of you know all those shows you've mentioned. You know, it's sort of like um, I mean, you know, actors always want to do things, do different things, but you know. They they haven't been like 
set everybody's mind, oh, Tate Donovan, he's Jimmy Cooper. Like, in other words, they're not so big that, like, I am, like, only recognized as that guy, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm being typecast, you know, like, so uh, I think, you know, it's part of, I, I studied a, a lot and I still work with people, not to try to be different, but to bring different things to the role. And because every role is totally different, but uh, also, uh, you know, I, I haven't been super successful in any one thing. So I'm not going to be typecast as any one thing. You know what I mean? Like I was only in the EOC for one year, you know, I wasn't in all four seasons. So it's not like, oh, he can only do Jimmy Cooper. It's it's so strange for me because I rewatched, started rewatching myself and my sister started rewatching the OC recently enough because I don't know if it's the ladies in their podcast or if they don't know if it was the pandemic or whatever, but it's on mm. like RTE, which is our main channel here. They have it uh-huh. on the box set on the players. So like we started watching it again and it, like I grew up with it and I remember storylines and I remember scenes, but I did not realize Jimmy wasn't in it like for all one, two and three. I kind of thought he was and then he left, you know, when he when he goes off after being beaten up. I thought it, that was like season three, but I didn't realize that yeah. it was actually much earlier. Yeah, season one, I know. Yeah, I know. It was pretty, uh, yeah, yeah. It was, it was the lamest exit, I think, of all time, which was like, oh, I'm going to Hawaii to become a better father. <laughs> I was like, what? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Who goes away to Hawaii to become a better father? <laughs> it's like, hey. it's like the opposite of becoming a better father. Hey, Dad, instead of being around me, why don't you go yeah, to the helping of the me in my life. <laughs> I'm going to Hawaii. Could you go to Hawaii? That'd be better. That would really help our relationship rather than us being in the same room. <laughs> oh, but, but like the thing about that is me thinking that as a fan watching it, that you were in it longer. I suppose Jimmy lived on despite the fact that they did cut you off quite, quite soon. Yeah. Wasn't that podcast that they did welcome to the oc bitches i thought it was so great yeah it was so i thought those two you know rachel and melinda were just awesome and it was so fun to go on that podcast and if you're a fan of 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 the oc that is like i mean they go through every single episode and yeah it was great it was, it was really fun to revisit with because i'm I'm a big fan of those rewatch podcasts. I listened to the ladies, obviously, and I was listening to the One Tree Hill one as well because they were the shows that I grew up with. And I learned so much about what you guys were going through. And one of the things that kind of stuck out from when you were on the different episodes of the show was that you were quite self-conscious about yourself and your your abilities while on it. And now you look back and you go, I was doing great. What? Why yeah. was I so self-conscious? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the curse of, of actors. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know, like, have you ever, have you ever written, do you write at all? Mm, yeah. So, I mean, how many, how often is you, when you're writing, you're just like, oh, this is just terrible. This is awful. And then you, you revisit it a couple of months later or a week later or a year later and you're like, oh, that's pretty good. Good for you, man. That's, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So was, okay. I always assume like actors, I suppose you come with an idea that you guys are really confident because you're putting yourself forward to be on TV and stuff. And then when I was listening to you talk and you were like, you know, the way that they, I suppose the way they kicked or left you off the show and, you know, not being the main characters and stuff. You can understand actually now older looking going why you might been at the time not fully sure of yourself. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, you're, you're, yeah, 
Yeah, fighting insecurity is is uh, because it's a super insecure business. I mean, it's just like everything's insecure. Like you know, yeah. I think I think it's what actors and directors and everyone fights. And even if they're super successful, especially if you're young and you are successful. You are. It, it just enhances your insecurity because you're like, why am I? Why am I getting all this attention? Like, am I really that good? Or am I like, do I deserve this? And uh, it, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to get success early on in your life emotionally. I know we all want it, but it's pretty hard to to. It takes a very mature person to be able to handle success. Yeah, and that show, I suppose, uh, catapulted a lot of people into fame very, very young. Yeah. Like Misha, I know she'd worked before, but like it threw her into really big fame. And, you know, Rachel yeah. and Adam and Ben, obviously, but like her especially, suddenly, you know, everybody knew who they were. And whereas yeah. you guys had been in the industry a little bit more, it still brought you up to another level of fame because so many young people were watching that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It, it, it um, I, I, yeah. I, f- I felt for those kids, oddly enough, even though, you know, the the adults on the show were just like, oh, boy, this is tough. This is tough. You know, like, we, you know, Peter is very experienced actor and, um, you know, has been there himself. And uh, yeah, all of us, you know, were like, gosh, I hope they these guys, you know, make it. And, you know, obviously they, they all have made it. But but it, it's definitely trickier than you imagine getting famous when you're young oh i like i wouldn't want it for myself i think that there's so many paths that you could go down the wrong one it's nearly like there's only a couple of nice roads and then there's 50 really Mm -hmm. bad roads you could be swayed down and i would probably be like oh i'll just tip down them all and see what happened then here and then end up in rehab or you know something or in some terrible you know even that you know even that isn't isn't you know uh, they're all they're all the paths are are you know for reason and teach you something and you know you can get off the path you don't have to stay on it and you know we all I mean obviously we all look back at our youth and be like oh jeez what did I do or wow well, good for you you know like I kind of avoided that you know it, it's a combination of of all that stuff. Are you glad then in that sense that when you were starting out you didn't reach the levels of fame that they were thrown into? The, the like the younger cast, you know, uh, if you were asked me when I was young, I'd say no. Um, you know, I remember I did I did this movie Space Camp with Kate Capshaw, who was, you know, kind of famous at the time and was dating Steven Spielberg. And, you know, like she she I don't know if she was dating him then, but soon thereafter married Steven Spielberg. And and she's she said one day to me, she's like, I hope you don't become a big star. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that is the worst meanest thing you could say to somebody. Like that's all I wanted to be was a big star. And I think now I look back on it and, and, you know, I think she was like, uh, she was wishing, you know, a career like I've, I've had, which is sort of like a consistent work rather than huge peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys. It's just been sort of like, a, you know, there's some dips and some years are really not very slow. And then some years are really good. And then some years are really slow. <laughs> and then there's the other side of it. That's not just the work, but there's the like the fame aspect of the like everyone wanting to know your business and like running up to you in the street and like you can't go anywhere without 
10 people walking around you and don't really have any privacy, I suppose. There's like that level of fame with the Taylor Swifts and that. I don't know how they exist, like how they cope with that. I wouldn't mind trying it on for for a couple of years. (laughs) (laughs) Just to see, just to see how I'd cope. Yeah, it might be fun. Imagine your kids, if you're like, suddenly go to Taylor Swift level of fame. They're like, what the heck? (laughs) Yeah, he totally disowned me. Oh, my God. But like for all the um, slagging we're giving Jimmy Cooper, he was like, it was a very central character that first season. I, when I was watching, what was the, what was the episode we were watching? And we were like, God, Jimmy. Oh, it was the um, debutante ball. Uh-huh. They present. We're getting the fight. Yes. So it's like the way he just is like, oh, we'll talk about money tomorrow. And I'm like, you have all his money. And you're just like, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I actually, yeah, I was really glad that they sort of had a Jimmy character in there because you guys probably don't realize this, but in Orange County in Southern California, there was a big uh, savings and loan scandal a couple of years before that. And it was it was uh, it was a huge bailout. And um, it was a, a lot of, you know, Jimmy's out there sort of like being very footloose and fancy free with people's money. And it destroyed some several banks and went under. And so when I read that the pilot, I I was I was glad that I sort of represented the sort of seedier side to um, or the more uh, greedy or, um, you know, you know, all the finances, all the money, uh, you know, there's you know, what do they say? There's no. And behind every great fortune, there's a crime. Well, it's sort of, you know, slightly true. And uh, yeah, I mean, you have to have the great father. Peter played the the great guy who's mm-hmm. fighting, you know, the good fight and saving all the, you know, kids. And then you got to have the sort of, you know, yeah, nefarious kind of guy. <laughs> well, they kind of had, you know, Sandy was this great guy and then all the other parents were just not great at all. Kirsten was like in love with Jimmy and didn't want to adopt Ryan. And then right. Julie is just another character. Also. Oh, I know. Julie's the best, though. <laughs> She's great. I mean, my, my favorite story out of the OC is is Melinda Clark, really, because, you know, Melinda Clark, she was a back, basically like a background artist. There was just, I don't know if you remember in the pilot, she just is like yells out a Froyo order to me while I'm walking the dog and I'm flirting with Kristen, you know? And, but she was so good. She was so like that sort of ambitious mom that they just started giving her more and more and she never missed a beat. And she was so great to work with. And, you know, and then she became, way bigger than Jimmy. I mean, I, I think I think we were supposed to get a divorce and she would never to be seen again. That that's the original sort of idea of the show and and then she she just was essential to the OC. It's amazing to think that if a different actress played that it would have been a completely different story totally. because she could have totally. been gone after two episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's doing like, and obviously with the podcast at Rachel, they're doing great look back. I just get, I get so intrigued by all the background stuff. And, but like they did have you on for your, um, when you were a director, which I Mm -hmm. find so fascinating because you've left the show and you weren't, you know, it's not what you would have wanted. You would have wanted Jimmy to stay on for a while. How do you go from that to being like, Hey guys, can I go behind the camera? (laughs) Please. (laughs) 
Well, I had been shadowing and shadowing and shadowing. So they knew I wanted to, you know, learn that side of the camera. So, yeah, it, it, it was sort of like, it, I think it made everyone feel a little bit better. That, uh, they got rid of me as an actor, but they're like, oh, but you can come back as a as a director. And, and they were very sweet about it and, and very encouraging. And yeah, production made my first time as a director just really awesome. It was great. When you play, when compared, uh, you know, playing Jimmy and then being the director of the show, which was easier? Um, well, in terms of hours, playing Jimmy is super easy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I've worked like, you know, eight hours a week. Um, and, but, you know, it's not all about hours. You know, I, I was sort of, uh, I just loved being on that set and I loved pre-production and find, you know, working on the script and finding locations and, uh, casting act- actors for the smaller roles and, and then getting on set and rehearsing and figuring out where to, put the camera and how to tell the story and then getting into the editing room is so much fun. I mean, that is amazing what editors can do. They could probably even turn this podcast into an amazing thing. (laughs) (laughs) Just cut all my BS and cut to some, hopefully you've got a good editor. Um, At any rate, so I, I found it super easy and fun, not in terms of hours, but in terms of excitement. It was just, I was, I, I I loved doing it so much that um, they were both easy in different ways. Although I can't imagine it's fun to tell your friends what to do, you know, like as a as the director. And now you're suddenly going from being like having the crack with the set as Jimmy. And then you're turning around and be like, OK, hit your mark. I need you to do this. I need you to yeah, say this. Yeah. Come on. Time, time, time. And you're, they're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Tate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Episodic directors, everyone thinks, oh, you're, you're like the boss. You're so not the boss. <laughs> um, the boss are the producers, and they hire a bunch of different directors to to shoot all the different episodes. So you're kind of in service, really, to everybody on the set. You're just like, they like you if you make it fun and fast and and have good ideas, but uh, they don't, you're, you're not in a position to be like, hey, do this, do that, do that. Because <laughs> I can't imagine, like, if, if my friend started telling me what to do at work, I'd be like, yeah, yeah way. <laughs> no, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it's it's hard. It's hard to do that switch. And was um, the OC before the role in Friends, or was which way did that go for you in terms of time? Um, I think I did, uh, yeah, I did, I did Friends first, and then uh, the OC, yeah. And for, again, another character that's in it, I think you're in probably like five or six episodes as, as Joshua, that lives five, on 20 uh, something years later. <laughs> yeah, Joshua. Yeah, I know. So funny. She that's said a- that name so great. I mean, she just set me up for, yeah. <laughs> for a life of it, of people for yelling, yelling of yeah, Joshua yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That must have been a, a mad experience, like being on a show that that was it was it would have been so big at the time. Obviously, the the length that it went to by the, the the end of season ten, but like by then it was still what season five or six, and you must like it must have been a huge machine by then. Oh yeah, I mean those guys were amazing to work with. They were such a tight team, mm. and they, yeah, they were just on fire. Those guys. It's funny, you know. So ironic to me, 
you know, when, when Matt Perry came out with his book, I was just like shocked. I was like, Matt Perry is, was a drug addict. Like he was on drugs. Like if you were on that set mm. during, during those years, Matt Perry was the driving force of that show. He w- he was the kind of guy who would sit and watch all of, you know, like most, most actors, um, mo- most of the other actors on that show would do their scenes. And when they're not in a scene, they go up to their, to their dressing room and they, you know, they're, sending emails and doing it was before textings, but um, you know, whatever doing their life on the phone and living their life. But Matt Perry was so aware of the show as a whole and he would come down and watch rehearsals and give great ideas and to the director or to the, to the uh, actors. And I'm going to just remember him watching all of my scenes and always being very supportive and, and just coming up with, great ideas. And I was just, he was so alert and so funny. So I was just like, I, I, I just thought, okay, Matt Perry's going to grow up to be um, like Tom Hanks, like somebody who's going to like direct movies. Who's going to like, he's just going to be a Titan because he, he cares so much and he sees the big picture. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess, you know, I guess drugs prevented that, but um what a shame. What a shame because, he, man, did he have it in him. Oh, such a talent. It was heartbreaking, talent. To, you know, yeah. when he passed away. And it was during the pandemic uh, over here. I don't know if you guys had loosened it a bit, but when they had the Friends reunion, myself and my friends were in Mayo. Everything was closed. So we just rented a house and yeah. we all sat and had a few drinks and watched the reunion. And it was just like, this is, again, thrown back to, to, you know, growing up and like all the inner jokes and all the different characters that came back and, and you know, talked on it and everything. And so to know, I suppose that part, people always have a hope of shows coming back, even for one episode, you know, yeah. that yeah. the fact that Ma- Matthew is now no longer with us, you think, well, that puts an end to ever the speculation yeah. of friends doing it again and, you know. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. And like, obviously, I never met him or anything like that. But it sounds like from what you're describing him that he was so passionate about the show. He was. He was. He was really passionate about it and really. Well, you know, to be honest, they they all were. It, I, it was sort of very unique working space. I mean, when you when you are a guest star or, uh, you know, on, on every show, there's, you know, there are egos and there's, you know, there are problems with people and, you know, whatever. Uh, the married couples can't stand each other. You know, like it's, it's uh, crazy, you know, and but everyone's a professional. And sometimes that negative energy really is great for characters. But these guys were totally friends and they spent, I mean... They spent tons of, they'd vacation together. They'd spend weekends together. They'd party together. They would go out after the show. There was, there was, they were in and out of each other's dressing rooms all the time. You know, it was like a, they were super bonded. And a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the ideas for the show came from their relationships. And I know you said that, you know, yourself and Jen had kind of split up by the time that you played Joshua. Were you ever thinking about saying, maybe I won't play this part then just out of pure, like we'll separate our work and life. Yeah. I, you know, when they first called me, they didn't know that we had broken up. Mm. And so, so they thought this is great. <laughs> we'll put them yeah. together. Well, yeah. actually, you know, I kind of slipped in the idea like 
two years before, like early on when Jen and I were dating, I was, you know, I'd go to all the tapings and I, I hung out all, all, all the time and I'd talk to the producers all the time. And, and, and I, I, I always said, oh my God, Jen is so funny. I mean, she's super funny when she's crazy about a guy and the guy isn't crazy about her. Like, like, it's just it's hilarious because you're just like, what does this guy not see? Like, here's this gorgeous, amazing woman and she's madly in love. With her. And it's just it just I don't know. There's something about her and it makes her very endearing. And I I remember telling because they they I, I we were watching a scene where I don't know. She's I remember her. She was like drinking champagne. So she got drunk on a date or something like that. And he was like and he was and she was just hilarious. It was so good. And so that was the sort of, I think they were put that in the back of their brain and they're like, oh, wouldn't it be good if, you know, but unfortunately we had broken up. So, <laughs> so yeah, a side of me was like, okay, guys, yeah, we should tell them that we've broken up. And, and I did, I did say to them, I said, listen, you know, you know, we've broken up or maybe Jen said that and. And they were like, well, if you don't want to do it, we understand. And, and a side of me thought, oh, maybe this would be a great way to break up. Like, you know, like to work together. Finally, we never worked together, even though we, you know, we dated for a couple of years. And I thought, oh, well, maybe this will like, you know, we'll transition in friends and it'll be easier. But it wasn't. It was it was not it was not a good idea. <laughs> I don't know how you did it because I only I, don't know. I remember reading it and it was like you guys had split up or whatever and then you know you come in to play him and I'm just thinking after I split up with somebody the last yeah. person I know I to see I know I was kids. dumb <laughs> I know I was an idiot I was an idiot I probably was thinking in the back of my mind maybe we'll get back together and and uh yeah that was that was not the smart move that was not good <laughs> although it must have been funny though for you watching her you know, play a character who's mad about you and you're kind of a bit, you know, you yeah. haven't a clue that's going on. She's yeah. dancing to be in the cheerleading yeah, costume. True. And you're yeah, like, maybe, I, maybe I had like a subconscious like uh, joy in that. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> you're right. like, if she won't get back with me, at least Rachel is mad for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. At least Rachel is crazy about me. <laughs> well, like that is, I think it's a fair play to you. It, it's a sign that you are passionate about the job and that, that you actually sucked it up and said, right. Look, it's a, it's a small arc. It's like six episodes or whatever it was. Let's do it. And you both were professional about it. Like you could have been. Well, I, I assume you were. No one had black eyes in any episodes that I saw. No, or... no, nobody. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's some crying off stage, But other than that, yes. So now in future jobs, were you like, I better not suggest to the directors about any girls I'm dating? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Never again. Never again. And like after that, then what? I suppose you've done so much like stuff, as I said, you did MacGyver, you did Magnum P.I. I think, well, that was way before that. And and obviously, and then the O.C. came up probably pretty soon after Friends. Did you take a break after the O.C. or what did you, because you were directing. So were you more going in that direction? To, um, no, I started Damages pretty soon after the O.C. Mm-hmm. No, uh, yeah, for a couple of years, I was directing and um, acting and simultaneously, like, uh, I directed five episodes of Damages and and acted on that for three years and um, yeah you know I I sort of have been you know just trying to keep busy uh, either acting or directing you know ever since. 
Well, damages, I suppose, as well, was a different, completely different role then again from Jimmy. So like you are shaking things off with with that kind of sense of stuff and you're directing a completely different show as well as doing the acting in it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing to work on damages, just to work with actresses like Rose Byrne and, and um, you know, um, oh, gosh, um, Glenn Close. Sorry. <laughs> Only like one of the greatest actresses of all time. That's okay. She forgot my name. She she called me the wrong name on her Emmy acceptance speech. So that's okay. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's all right. Uh, I just got her back. See how we all get, get each other back. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, no, she she won the Emmy and she was like, oh, and I want to thank the ca- and the producers, the writers, the directors and the cast, Rose Byrne, Ted Danson. Uh, Todd, uh, Joko Ivanic, <laughs> she just totally spaced on my name and she called me Todd. <laughs> I was like, uh, oh, <laughs> I could just hear your brothers at home going, oh, yeah, yeah, Todd. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> oh my God, I bet she forevermore was very apologetic for that. Oh, no, she, I don't think she uh, ever no, even noticed it. <laughs> well, you've got her back now because this is yeah, the equivalent of the yeah, Emmys. Yeah. It's pretty much the same level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so what are you working on? You said you were working on a film now. I just finished um, working on this tiny little film. Uh, it's a, you know, it was, I play this retired boxer who has Parkinson's. Oh, wow. And what an intense experience that was. That was really just to step into those shoes. Parkinson's is such a, tough route but there's a lot of hope and then there's a you know like it's it's just so such a interesting well tough disease because it manifests itself in so many different ways and you can live 20 years with it or you can die from it you know in in three years you know like it's and they know so little about it but there are some quality of life you know there's no cure but there are some things you can do that can help your quality of life and anyway it was it was really um it was a challenge on on every level to 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 play that character so um yeah and and i just did an episode of blue bloods oh yeah and um i've got this this other crazy movie called paradise that is coming out here in the states march 11th at any rate, you know, yeah, I got, you know, trying to keep busy. Are to... you still playing music? I saw you were in a band at one stage. Yeah, I was in a trad band. I played traditional Irish music. I played fiddle for years and years and years. Yeah, we played at a, a pub called Molly Malone's here in L.A. every Thursday night. And um, it was hilarious because uh, at the time, traditional Irish music wasn't too big in um, in Los Angeles. We had, we had, we uh, for a couple of years it was an amazing scene. It was really fun, and um, uh, we all met in a traditional Irish music. I, I played violin since I was a little kid, and when I got when I was in my twenties, I was always classical music, you know. And I sort of got bored with classical music, and I I went to the Irish Arts Center here in L.A. and I saw this young guy playing music on his violin traditional Irish music and all these gorgeous women were dancing in front of the band. And I was like, 
man, what is that? I got to learn how to do that. So I went up to him after the gig and I was like, hey, uh, you know, how did you learn how to play that music? And he's like, oh, well, you know, there's a great Irish fiddle teacher. She's she's right in the audience right here. So uh, he introduced me to her and um, uh, I took lessons from her and I was in this big Irish music class and there were some other fiddlers and guitar players and singers and bedron and all sorts of squeeze box. And anyway, we decided to form a band and uh, we played in a, in a pub for years. And yeah, it was so much fun, man. It was so much fun. That would have been such a, re- uh, a release away from like the, the acting and the directing side. Totally, of stuff, yeah. Because you're not I mean, really in the forefront. Really anything less Hollywood than a trad band. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always heard that, like, you know, I was single at the time and and I always heard that musicians, you know, just rake in the women, just go nuts over musicians. Right. Well, let me tell you something. If you play traditional Irish music on the fiddle, you're not raking in the women. All right. That's not <laughs> something women find attractive. But, I was. Yeah. I thought you were going to say this is how you met your wife. You were like, I was playing the fiddle. No, no, no. I didn't know. No. no. <laughs> so you don't totally play music. Unimpressed. You don't play music anymore. Then you don't play in the in the. Well, no, I, I I pick it up every once in a while, mm-hmm. and and uh, and a friend of mine who's in the band lives right up the street, and uh, you know St. Patty's Day we will will jam, and yeah, I, I play it every once in a while. Yeah, for sure. What would be your favorite one to play then, if you're playing on the fiddle? Uh, like jigs or reels, you mean? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, uh, I don't know, the Claire jig, the Cash jig. Uh, I've forgotten the names of them. Um, but, uh, oh, gosh, the Women of Ireland, which is a fantastic air um, that was in the movie Barry Lyndon. I don't know if you remember that one. No, um, I don't remember that one. But, you know, uh, yeah, there's so many great, great Irish songs. I've I've sort of forgotten the names. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I'm surprised. Like this is great to even know that you did this. I was like, I thought this was a Wikipedia entry that somebody put in as a joke, saying he's to play in a trad Irish. No, it's totally true. Yeah, one of the best weeks of my life was. Do you know the actor Brian O'Byrne? Yes. Yeah, well, Brian O'Byrne, for me, pound for pound, the greatest actor alive. I mean, he is. He is I've seen him on stage. I never miss a, a play of his. I, I, I'm like, he, he will win an Oscar one of these days. Mm-hmm. He just hasn't gotten what he's, he's won Tony's and every award in the theater. And one day he's going to get a role that matches his theater work. Mm-hmm. And he's just, he's just a genius. At any rate, uh, I became good friends with him. And I, I went to Ireland to see him in a play in Dublin. And I, he set me up in his granny's house in uh, Donegal and uh, his granny had passed away and it just left me alone with a bicycle and my fiddle. And there were two pubs. Both of them had music. Alton. You remember the band Alton? Alton? Do you mean Aslan? A-T-L-A-N. Oh, no, I don't know that then. There's a band Aslan, so I thought it was them. But, you know, these are more like rock band, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, no, this is a trad band. At any rate, um, they owned a pub. And at any rate, it was the greatest week of my life where I would just go from one pub to the other. Each night I'd mix it up and just listen or play or uh, just hang out. And I mean, to me, the the pub life is just, 
extraordinary in Ireland. I mean, the conversations you get into, you know, it's just the best. It's just the greatest culture. I'm, I'm madly in love with it. Well, Brian, actually, um, he's in two of my favorite things. I only watched one of them recently and it's out about 25 years. There's a movie called Intermission and Killian Murphy's in it and Colin Farrell. It's yeah. like all these huge names, but when they're quite early in their career. So Killian's yeah. about maybe 24, 25. And it's really strange to watch him in comparison. Um, and uh, Brian's in that as a bus driver, but he's got like, you would think that's a very small role, but it's actually quite a big role in it. And then he's in um, Love Hate, which is like a crime drama we have. Oh, um, right. he, he was um the, the lead cop in it and you know he's out to get the gangsters or whatever but he's yeah he's such an amazing actor like he's one of those people that I feel is sometimes overlooked sometimes because he's you know yeah. he doesn't play the lead guy but he plays the steady guy throughout yeah yeah he he he's overlooked and he one of these days he's not going to be overlooked and uh, at least in the New York theater scene he's not overlooked everyone knows he's he's a genius I have a funny story about Killian Murphy I was in, I had an audition or I don't know what I was doing. I was in a casting office, a waiting office. And it was a long time ago. In comes this kid and, uh, and amazing blue eyes. And I was, and, and he said something to the, you know, receptionist. And I was like, he's Irish. And I'm like, oh, are you Irish? And he's like, yeah, I've, ju- I've just come. Uh, this is my first time in Los Angeles. This is, in fact, my first audition in Hollywood. And, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. You know, you're, where are you from? And and I'm like, do you know Brian O'Byrne? He's like, oh, Brian O'Byrne. I love Brian O'Byrne. You know, and we talked for like 20 minutes. And and um, uh, it was funny because we, we were talking, we, we got so into this conversation about Brian O'Byrne and that we forgot to sort of prepare for our auditions, you know? <laughs> So, so we're like, they're like, uh, Tate Donovan, we're like, oh shit, we're supposed to be going over lines. And I think, I don't think either of us got our roles because we were so chatty with each other, but <laughs> I'll never forget meeting him. I mean, you can't forget that guy's eyes. I mean, mm-hmm. just piercing. Yeah. yeah such a sweetheart. He's such a sweetheart. And he's so anti-fame. It's, it's insane. Like, you know, he yeah. lives here in Dublin yeah. and he... He gets the dart, which is our train in and out of the city, and he or he goes yeah. on the bus, like he's all public transport, and he doesn't take selfies with people, but he'll stop and have a conversation and stuff. And I'm uh, like, you are one of the biggest. You're about to win an Oscar, man, and you're just yeah. like so normal. Well, that's that's. Don't you find that to be a very Irish thing? I mean, mm. I mean, there's really only one sin you can really do in Ireland, and that is be full of yourself, right? <laughs> It's like, forget about it. If you're full of yourself, you're like ostracized <laughs> for life. Um, so, I mean, I find that all Irish uh, actors are very similar. They're they're so down to earth. I mean, Liam, oh my God, Liam Neeson. I worked with Liam Neeson ages ago um, before he was a huge star in a movie called Ethan Frome. And he was the star and I had a you know small role, and he was oh my god, he was so amazing. It was in northern Vermont, and it was freezing cold. It was in January. I mean, I'm talking temperatures like you'd go out and you'd inhale, and the inside of your nose would freeze because oh it was so cold. It was I've never experienced, and it was a period piece. We'd be out there in these like thin wool jackets, you know freezing to death at any rate we all had re- it was a very low budget movie and we had the 
worst trailers known to mankind. And and um, Liam Neeson had a, a nice big, you know, trailer, and, like Motorhome. Mm. And he invited all of the male actors on the set um, to st- come and stay in his motorhome. And we just played cards and we got dressed and we got ev- everything. We, we did everything in that motorhome. And it was kind of amazing. I, I've never seen that ever. Like no star <laughs> lets the entire ca- cast. I mean, he would have let the entire cast in, but he only decided maybe only the men should be changing in his. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to look well if you get all the women in yeah, there. It's not a good look if you're, you know, like all, the, all the women are coming in. Like what the hell's going on in there? <laughs> But yeah, he he was amazing. So Liam Neeson's the same way. I don't know if you've ever met him or like, I mean, he is, he is as humble as you can get. I've met him, only met him once. And now I'm quite short anyway. I'm five foot one. So I feel short most of the time. But when I met Liam Neeson, I felt like, I felt like what, you know, some Americans think of leprechauns. That's what I felt like. He is (laughs) so tall. I was like, my neck was sore. Yeah, he's a big guy and he's so charming. I mean, he is and what what's great about him is that he's an equal opportunity charmer. Like we had this we had this driver who I mean, she must have been in her 80s. I swear to God, she was ancient. I was like, wow, I can, you know, I was kind of shocked. Usually drivers are young men. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is an elderly lady who was driving us around to set and stuff like that. And my God, Liam Neeson treated her like she was the queen of England. He was like, darling, how are you today? He knew everything about her, her grandchildren. And he, he just was, he acted like he was madly in love with this woman. And I was so impressed. I I don't know. I just, I'm look, I'm a fan of the Irish. As you can tell, I'm here, I'm here. You're here with me, and this is how I know. This is like coming from, like, I don't know. If this was like you were in New Jersey, uh, I would not be here, all right? But you're from Ireland, so I am going to be here for you. I love you. Like, I'm born and bred in New Jersey, but don't ask me to come on your podcast unless you're from Ireland. Yeah, totally, totally. I feel very honored. You've been on Melinda and Rachel's and mine. I feel like I'm up there with some icons. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, when I was on Melinda and Rachel's podcast, I thought to myself, God, this, the only thing that can make this better is if they were Irish. And look, Melinda has the red hair. She could probably fit in well over here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, oh my God, I'm sorry. I've kept you an hour. I've been loving our chats so much. Um, I'm, yeah, me too. I, I think this has been, been great. The crack, exactly. Crack is good. (laughs) Sometimes you get talking to like actors and they're, you know, so serious about, you know, the craft and, you know, that they don't and they don't want to talk about the roles they're most famous for or something, you know, and they're like, Mm. as we mentioned, ego is not a thing that we accept over here. So like you're just so open about all the different, you know, roles and everything you've played. It's amazing. Well, you might, my my might as well. You know, I'm, I'm glad that somebody's asking about him. It's very nice. It's very nice to be here. So what are you going to be working on next? I know you've told me the the films that are coming up, but are you still doing the boxer film or is that wrapped and stuff now? No, so that's wrapped. Um, I, I fortunately, I'm still doing the old Hercules voice. I'm going to do some sort of like, I'm not too sure what it is. It's like a little film uh, that they show on the cruises, Disney cruises mm. or something like that. And Hercules is part of it. 
I'm not exactly sure what what it is, but um, I'm definitely going to show up in the recording studio tomorrow and do my best Hercules. <laughs> they love that you can rock up in a tracksuit and no, it doesn't matter what you look like. It's just your voice yeah, as long as yeah. that's okay. It doesn't matter that I'm gray now. <laughs> and I saw on your Instagram as well, you're quite a big activist. You, you know, you do put your name and you put out there, you know, the the things that you're passionate about, um, which is incredible because so many people just don't say anything, you know, they just... Well, gosh, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes, you know, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know who it depends on who you follow, but there seems to be so much uh, at least going on in America and the world today that, you know, how do you not say something? You know, I have to tone myself back going, OK, Tate, you know, do you really want to, you know. But, you know, like what's going to be effective and what's what's positive, I, I try to. Trying not to be negative, even though I feel a lot of negative things mm-hmm. uh, towards certain politicians. Uh, I definitely just want to stay positive and point out that I think the politicians that are doing great jobs and the, there are so many people out there that are doing such amazing work and so beautiful. And there are terrible things happening. But, you know, as Mr. Rogers says, always look for the helpers. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many people out there doing the right thing against all odds and, um, you know, spreading love and inclusion and peace and democracy and um, standing up for people's rights. And so, yeah, I just, if, you know, if I can be part of that, great. Yeah. I saw, um, was it um, school bags or bags of treats or something you did recently for, young migrant children or something like that. I, I try to remember because it was a few weeks ago I saw it on your Instagram. Some sort oh, yeah. of- I worked in a, in a, um, uh, I, I volunteer for a food bank, you mean? Yeah, was maybe it? that's what it was. Yeah. 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 That was fun. Yeah. There's an amazing organization, Feed America. They're, they're incredible. They're all over. I lived in Texas for a while, but you know, they're all over the country. And my father-in-law was involved with them. Um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing organization. Um, you know, there's a lot of hunger and, you know, we're the wealthiest nation on the planet and there's so much hunger going on. It's just, it's, you know, so yeah, I mean, if I can volunteer a couple of days a week and, and it's so much fun. I mean, it is so much fun giving people food. I mean, and just seeing their reaction and I mean, it, there's nothing better. I mean, you know, there's no better feeling. I think it's well, I think it's amazing like that you do it anyway, that you're not doing it just to, you know, to do it, like to be seen doing it or whatever. But also not only do it inspire people who see you do it, like maybe just, you know, and they see it in the online or they see it on your Instagram, or whatever. But also your kids as well will see that you're actually taking action and doing something kind. And I think that's the most important message. It's like you say, try not to be too negative. It's like, try. how do you be that little bit kinder? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, our son is... um He's 18. And, you know, it's funny. I, I We used to drag him out a lot, especially during the pandemic to the to the food bank. And, um, oh, man, I I know that it's registers in, in you know, but, you know, the kids don't want to do that stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, you know, I, I know that it's in there. His his mom is is a, a woman of service. She spent her whole life. She's a nurse and she spent her whole life um, being of service and. Um, but you know, teenagers, they don't, you know, yeah, I think, 
that comes later in life, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I should be a service. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like, well, my dad did that. Okay. Right. And now what you do is train, tell them to record it for TikTok and they'll get loads of views. Then they'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, listen, I better let you go and save that voice for Hercules tomorrow. I know, I know, I know. Thank you so much for giving me up so much of your time. I really appreciate it, Tate. Honestly, that's been, it's been the loveliest hour. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been great. Thanks so much for having me. You too. And like, if you ever come back to Dublin, send me a message. I'll uh, bring you out and give you, get you a nice Guinness somewhere in Dublin. That would be awesome. That would be <laughs> awesome. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Have a brilliant day. Ciao. See you later. Slam. Bye-bye. Oh my God, lads, I had such a lovely time talking to him. Isn't he just the loveliest? Like he's so open and like honest and nothing is off the table. And like when I brought up like even like, let's say Jennifer Aniston, he could have been like, I'm not talking about that. Go and F yourself. (laughs) But he didn't. He's just so lovely. Like so lovely. My sister came down after I talked to him. She's like, how was Tate Donovan? And I was like, oh my God, so nice. Like so, so sound. And like not in a like sickeningly nice way I'm just doing this to be nice for a podcast way like we really had crack like and you know as you probably heard like I'm so obsessed to get I need to get out to America because Dan Florick from Lorna SVU who was a guest on the show messaged me recently to see I had said to him I was going to try and get out to the US this year and he said he would meet, meet up with me for dinner and I did say to Bobby Burke that I would bring, go for a pint with him in New York if I was there so now that I have all these American guests I need to go over lads I'll be in the showbiz circles. My goodness. I'm living a showbiz life this week. I was in town the other day and I saw Rob Henshaw, Josh Van de Vleer separately. Rugby players from Ireland, if you don't know. And then went into Cornucopia and who was there only Ninja from Love 8? Tom Von Lawler. So now I'm going, between that and I'm going to be hanging around with Tate Donovan. Oh, look, I'll have notions about myself. But as you heard there, Tate said it. Irish people do not, the one thing that we do not appreciate is an ego. So that is, I would definitely not have that. But yeah, like there's so much to take away from there. And what a week for this to be, for this interview. Yeah. And as I said, like earlier in the episode, like how weird is it that I had Tate in the same week as Misha is on Call Her Daddy. And maybe I would have asked different things if I had have heard that first. But I had listened to him um, on Welcome to the OC Bitch, which is the rewatch podcast. And if you're an OC fan, I'd say go back and listen to that because they've had nearly everybody on it. Adam Brody was on it. Misha was on it. Um, Melinda, who plays Julie Cooper, is hosted with Rachel Bilson, who plays uh, Summer. So like, you know, there's so much there to unpack. And like, they really do go into like stuff like that. It's like, that's why I like that. And like the One Tree Hill one as well, because they really go into like the good, the bad and the ugly, of course, of these shows. But yeah, I really actually it was only after I talked to Tate, I realized he was in The Holdovers, which of course is up for Best Picture in the Oscars and he had a role in that and I'm like oh my god there's so much in it but like I kind of was just in the flow of the conversation and I didn't want to stop and be like and come here now tell me about the you know so I I know there's certain podcasts that do have like they have a list of questions and they write the questions down and I just don't I just kind of I always just go with the flow with my guests and I really hope that comes across and I hope you enjoyed this and I really think this episode could get like could be huge. So please, please, please do me a little favor. Would you share it with a, fa- a friend, a WhatsApp group or put it on your story or put it on your Facebook or Twitter, TikTok, whatever it is. If you could share it to people, that would be absolutely incredible. And I'll obviously hit follow on whatever way that you, wherever you listen. So it's follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple and Google Podcasts and subscribe as well, I think. Then you 
you can rate, review and all those things. But like most importantly, I just want people to hear it. Like I don't need loads and loads of five star reviews or anything like that. They do help. Obviously, more people get to see the podcast if you have more reviews, more ratings. But like for me, I just really want people to hear it because I think it's such a lovely chat. And there's so many, there's like highs, lows. Uh, in career and family and yeah okay, I'm, I'm I'm trying to sell myself here to these lads and just like please do share it I just I hope everyone enjoys it oh and if you are a huge OC fan or somebody in your life is a huge OC fan and you're just thinking how lucky I am that I got to talk to Tate he's on Cameo so you actually can get videos personalised videos um so for birthdays or just cause hey it's Sunday <laughs> and you want him to just say you know I don't know Welcome to the OC, bitch. I don't know. You know, you, whatever you want them to say, you can get them on Cameo. So if you, you can get the app, obviously, or you just go onto the website and type in Tate's name and you can pay to get a little video for a wedding or a birthday or whatever. So I've gotten them before from Spike from Buffy. Uh, I got one for my friend and then she got me one back. Epic. So they're great. They're great little gift as well. So if you've got someone's birthday coming up, that could be perfect. Anyway, I'm going to go. Uh, I hope you had, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm going to leave you with an ad at this end of this episode for a brilliant true crime podcast from Ireland. And it tells stories from around the world and most of them I hadn't heard before. So sometimes I've been like, I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was half through the story and I was like, wait a second. I, I know this. I've heard it already. And I went to watch Can I Tell You a Secret on Netflix the other day and realised I'd listened to the podcast. So that's two good suggestions there. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to leave you with an ad from the lovely Roy Jane McCormick. I've never met her before, but I'm obsessed with her podcast. So I asked her to send me in a little ad so that she, I can give her some free good promo. It's just a really good podcast. So if you like true crime, do listen to that. And if you like showbiz and celebrity interviews, scroll back and see if there any that I have here that you might enjoy, like the Todd from Scrubs or Walt Jr. from Breaking Bad or Jerry O'Connell. There's loads there. All right. I hope you have a great day. Salon, everybody. Bye. I'm Rory Jane McCormick, host of Propensity, a true crime anthology podcast. Join me this season as I cover cases of abduction, captivity and confinement. Propensity is a narrative-driven, solo-hosted podcast that deep dives into cases to give you all the facts, always centering the victims and survivors of some of the most harrowing cases you can imagine. Compelling stories, compassionately told. Listen to Propensity, a true crime anthology podcast now. Available wherever you get podcasts.